And as the pastor of the church, I want to say I welcome you. Thank you for becoming members of Calvary Worship Center. Worship you so much, or appreciate you so much. Uh, I want to thank you all, those of you who have been praying. I feel your prayers, and I appreciate what you're doing. I believe that there are things that are happening at this point in time uh, with respect to the church, at least for those who have an ear to hear, uh, let them hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, because the Lord is speaking, and the Lord is moving, and He's doing it in a way that may make the church uncomfortable if they are not discerning of the Spirit of God. So what I would say to you this morning is be encouraged. God is not dead. God is not done, and God is going to accomplish much in this time. So with that, much, with that said, I want to thank you for your prayers. Um, um, I fully believe that this church uh, is under attack spiritually. I believe it. Now, for those of you who have a faith that doesn't go into the supernatural, you love Jesus, you've accepted him as Savior, and you come to church to, for corporate worship, I encourage you to continue doing the same. For those of you who understand the fact that there is a Jesus because there is a devil and that there is much happening in a world that you cannot see. If you are those people, I want you to understand I'm fully persuaded that our church is under siege. I believe that. I believe that uh, I am under siege. I had a pastor friend of mine call me just the other day and say, you might want to be contacting your intercessors, which my wife did on my behalf. Um, Because you have been targeted, and there is witchcraft after you even as we speak. With that said, that may be a shock for some of you to understand, but I'm just letting you know that I believe that we are doing something good here. I believe that Dr. Janetta Gross testified to that very fact. Um, And so with that said, I am going to maintain my position, uh, unyielding and unmoving that we will exalt Jesus Christ, His Word, and His intentions and His plan without apology from now until the day that He takes me to, the, uh, to go home to be with Him. I will not waver. We will not stop this. Amen and amen. With that also said, I want to meet, speaking of that pastor friend, uh, uh, Pastor uh, Steve Smith. Uh, he's the pastor of Lighthouse of Praise. He and his wife, Terry. Um, um, Terry is still here in town. He has landed. He landed in um, Nairobi. I think it was uh, probably Saturday that he arrived in Nairobi, Kenya. He will be gone for a month, working in the fields of the Lord over there, which has left Pastor Terry uh, on her own to run that church. And our front pew over here is empty and will be for the next month because Jimmy and Mary Glasgow are taking up positions at Lighthouse of Praise to assist Terry in her pastoral duties. And um, with that said, I encourage that. That's what we call body ministry. We're hung up on church names, church labels, church denominations, church doctrines, and every once in a while we get hung up on church dinners. I'm okay with getting hung up on church dinners. I I don't have a big problem with that, theologically or otherwise. But the reality is, is if we are not the body of Christ, what are we? So I'm okay with losing the signs, but not the signs and wonders. Lastly, our dearly beloved 
Joe and Paul Hamby are going to be moving. Preacher, you're moving. Where are you going? Down the street? Just up the road? Well, they gotta they got to move by the end of the month. So with that said, um, I kind of would uh, like to just let you all know that that uh, the Chapmans are kind of trying to get some help together to get them moved. And, and uh, anything that you need to know about moving our dear beloved Hambies down the road, and I quote, yes, sir, uh, see David or Linda, and they will uh, help organize you good folk. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. God is good. If you will, all the time, He is. Open your Bibles to Second John. This is an enormous book. It'll take us weeks to get through all 13 verses. Somebody thought I was going chapters, didn't you? This is a tiny little book. And it's brief. And, it, it, you know, in all of the canon, Second John is utterly unique for one reason, and I'll tell you that in a second. It's utterly unique. It's only 13 verses long. There are three of the Johns, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, not counting St. John, the Gospel. And two out of the three Johns are personal correspondence. Personal. They're not universal. Um, they're not what I think I explained here just not just a few weeks ago. They're not what are known as Catholic Catholic meaning universal, not Roman Catholicism. Catholic is a word that existed before Roman Catholicism did. And a Catholic letter, which is, for example, probably one of the single most famous Catholic or universal letters in the Bible, is the book of the revelation of Jesus Christ. What it means is it is for all the churches. We could get into a historic discussion about why the Roman Catholic Church calls themselves Catholic, but we're not going to do that because it's not relevant at this point. Thirteen verses, as I've already stated, this is a private correspondence between uh, John and an unknown Christian woman. We don't know who she is. I've heard of people hypothesizing as to who she is, but the bottom line is, is we don't know who this gal is. We have no idea. And this is the part that's utterly unique, completely different than any other book in the canon, is that this is the only book in the entire Bible that is addressed to a woman. It's the only one. Personal correspondence from the elder to the chosen lady. This morning, I'm just going to speak for a few minutes to you this, uh, on the love letter or love letter to the lady. As we see in the first two words of verse 1, John's referring to himself as the elder. Now, elder here doesn't necessarily, it can, but doesn't necessarily in the Greek mean he's old. <laughs> Although it can mean he's like old. Okay? Either or, six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, but if you use this word 
as a noun, it means a senior. Now, as a senior, how many here do would identify themselves as a senior? Okay, how many of you would identify yourselves as a senior? No, just kidding. This can also mean an Israelite Sanhedrin. I'm sorry, Sanhedrist, a participant in the Sanhedrin. But for our purposes, this is undoubtedly an individual who is either an elderly individual, John, or he's a senior spiritually. Or, yep, there's a third one, he can be both, an elder spiritual senior. And so he addresses, he, he, he refers to himself, and then he refers to the chosen lady and her children. As I've already stated, nobody knows who this lady is, but she has children. Um, but in this context, these children are not necessarily biological offspring. Because the way that she is addressed, she may be actually functioning in a way that is almost pastoral. However, and boy, I'm answering a lot of questions this morning, it may be her kids. Everybody's sitting back there going, boy, you're a huge help today. Man, you are just walking me through the truth of God's Word, I'm telling you. Can you get Gary back? And then he says to the, the, the chosen lady and her children, he says, whom I love in the truth. That word truth right there carries a huge amount of impact as we get through down uh, into the sixth verse. Because truth and love in this book are both referred to five times each. Truth is mentioned five times. Love is mentioned five times. And so that's why this is the uh, love letter to the lady. To the chosen lady and her children whom I love in the truth. And not I only, but also all who know the truth. Because of the truth, which lives in us and will be with us forever. So in the first two verses, we've used up three out of the five truths. Okay? So apparently that word has a lot of impact and a lot of meaning. Then he does his... his his formal greeting, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son, will be with us in truth, number four, and love. So we get all that opening stuff out of the way and we hit number four, verse four. It has given me great joy to find some. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. And now, verse 5, Dear lady, I'm not writing you a new commandment, but one we have had from the beginning. I ask that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk in obedience to the commands 
as you have heard from the beginning, this command is that you walk in love. So verses 4 through 6 are pretty important in terms of this is what uh, 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 the elder wishes to communicate. In fact, the crux, the core material of what he's wanting to communicate to the lady and her children. The fact that he has observed the reality that some of her children are walking in the truth gives him great joy. Some. Some of your children are walking in the truth. Well, first of all, walking in the truth is simply the idea in the Greek to tread around. Okay? To tread around in the truth. Meaning this, no matter where they are, this sum, no matter where they are, no matter what they're doing, no matter what matters they are going about, they are functioning and operating in the truth. Now, the truth hasn't been identified yet. But nevertheless, whatever this thing is, they are functioning perpetually, constantly, nonstop, in this truth, treading wherever they go, they're operating in this truth. But the thing that we need to get a hold of here is that, that some of the children are operating this. So if some of the elders, elder ladies' uh, children are walking in God's command, that must mean that some of them aren't. Right? So, despite the fact that the children are who they are, they're the children, some of them are walking in the truth. Wherever they go, whatever they do, whatever's going on, they're operating in this truth. Whereas some of them, still the children, aren't. And that's important to understand when you grasp what the truth is in connection with the command of God, which is spoken of right here. When you think about the truth and the commands, and some are, and some aren't, well then now this little tiny 13-verse book that is addressed to the only woman ever addressed in the Bible in terms of a letter to someone, when you start pondering that, suddenly things become kind of important. Whereas before, it's one of those books you get up, you pull up out of your devotional reading daily list and you pound it out and you've got it and you move on. Now all of a sudden, there's some truth that needs to be expressly explained. So, it has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded. So, we're not even talking about Jesus here when he says, when the Father commanded, because if you remember up in verse 3, the elder separates the Father from Jesus Christ the Son. So this command, whatever it is, is from the Father Himself, the enthroned One, the One that the Trinity is referred to after, God, in the beginning, God. So the Father has commanded us 
to operate in this truth, to walk in this truth, to tread around, to function perpetually in this truth. And now, verse 5, dear lady, I am not writing you a new command, but one that we have from the beginning. So I'm not giving you new instructions. I'm giving you the same old instruction. The same old thing we've had from the very beginning, this is the same thing I'm telling you. Now, do you guys remember that back in the Old Testament how, I can't pull it off the top of my head right now, but despite the fact there are no obstructions up there which could keep me from getting it off, how the Bible instructed Israel to rehearse the commandments and read them in the presence of their children to be passed down to their children and to their children. Do you remember all that? Yeah. You know why that is? It's because we, have ten, we tend to have short memories. We tend to forget things or we tend to let things become obscured. And here, the only commandment that John the Elder is speaking to is this one that they've had from the beginning. And he's reminding this chosen lady. I ask, and this is the commandment, I ask that we love one another. It's been nice seeing you today. Let's all go home. I ask that we love one another. Who, who, everybody here, who, I'm down with that. I'm down with loving one another. Raise your hand. Everybody, love, okay. Everybody, raise your hand. Just, I'm, I'm down with loving one another. Okay, cool. Jeff, we need to talk, bro. And this, verse six. Look at verse six. And this is love. Now, if I were to say that statement, and this is what love is. So we're spoke, the only thing he's asking to this lady is that we love one another. That's all he wants. It's the same old commandment, same old, same old. You've heard it. You know it. It's the same old stuff. But I want you to hear this uh, 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 elect lady, chosen lady, love one another. And so that no one screws this up, so that no one totally botches this up. Because, you know, we all walk around in our Christian persona, in our church persona. And I'm, I'm going to go here, all right? And like the gospel um, story that Jesus told, like wheat and tares, no one can tell the difference in the church. Until a moment in time when everybody can tell the difference, or at least the ones that matter. So we walk around loving one another, but only some are actually treading about no matter where they go, what they do, where they're, what they're going through, loving one another, and some although they're here. They're in the right circumstances. They're in the right area with which to be recognized as children of God. Some of them are not. 
and yet this is the one command from the Father that the elder is trying to get the chosen lady to remember. Not that she's not, but it's to rehearse it. Remember, this is it. This is it. Love one another. Well, what's love? And this is love, just so you know. Love is that we walk in obedience to His commands. So, to love one another like some are, you have to walk in obedience to His commands. That's what love is. Love is when each one of us walk in obedience to His commands. And somehow, when you walk in obedience to His commands, somehow or another, that translates into the original command given by the Father to love one another. So a command, obeying a command, is to obey the commands. Hmm. As you, finishing verse 6, as you have heard from the beginning, he wanted to get that in there, didn't he? His, His command is that you walk in love. You walk in love. It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in truth. Okay. How do those two things compute? Why does obeying His commands equate to walking in love? How does that work? If we can possibly grasp the notion that an unfettered obedience and alignment to the commands of God, unfettered, unapologetic, what, you still do that? Yeah, I really do. Well, why don't you do what, you know, all the other churches and other Christians are doing, you know? I mean, skinny jeans and all that. Why? Why? Because that's not here. As a matter of fact, somewhere back here in Exodus 20, I'm certain it says, Thou shalt not wear skinny jeans. I could be wrong. I don't know for sure. Maybe it's just a preference of mine. I don't know. But the reality is that if we can get it through our noggins, and get it into our hearts that we, in obedience to what He says in all things within the canon of Scripture, within His Word, if we can get it through our heads that obedience to those things are paramount for the success of our Christianity and our spiritual well-being, When you obey God's Word, 
what you end up doing is transforming your own self into the image of the Son of God. And by doing so, you end up operating out of the image of the Son of God. Doesn't First John tell us God is love? Isn't that what it says? So instead, now everybody looking at me. I'm waving. Instead of functioning in a hodgepodge, patchwork spirituality in Christianity. You got this right, you got that wrong. You're submitted here, you're not there. You kind of dig this part until it gets here and then it drops off and you're not doing that anymore. Instead of operating in that, wouldn't you rather actually see the presence of God become a reality in your everyday walking existence. Yeah. I'm telling you, that's what I want. I really want that. And I'm not afraid to tell you I'm still walking that walk. I'm still walking that journey. But that's why we, hmm, interestingly enough, that's why we need this so badly. I mean, after all, if, if the elder is going to the chosen lady with but, one, but with but one command, one command, love one another, don't you think we kind of need this to remind us? If he's coming to a, her with a command that she already knows but needs reminding of, don't you think we need this? Guys, I, I don't know about you, and I don't know about how you decorate, and if you watch, um, uh, you know, DIY network and all this other stuff. I don't know how your decor looks, and I don't know what you decorate with, but this is not for a coffee table. Is it? It's not even pretty. Where did I put my glasses? This is what's known as a commercial message. <laughs> so here we are. Here we are. Needing to do one thing. But make it the only thing. Where it's the one thing. That's going to make us walk it out like Jesus did. Walk this life out. Now look. <laughs> look at all the stuff. He's talking about truth and love and truth and love and truth and love. And saying, look sister, do this. And then he starts up on verse 7. He says, many deceivers. Where are we at? Okay. Many deceivers. Uh, you don't need a, uh, a Greek uh, definition for those. We know what that is. Listen. Now listen about these deceivers, though. These deceivers are special. This isn't just some liar. Okay? Check this out. Many deceivers who 
do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as coming in the flesh. No, that's not some liar. How many of you have ever come across a liar before in your life? None of you. Okay. Oh, two of you. Okay, great. Oh, three. I've got three now. So everybody else, everybody's telling the truth. Have you watched politics this year? Washington is so very truthful. Okay, if if the rest of you have never run into a liar, those are the doors you might want to get out now because I'm going to hurt your feelings. These are not just common liars. These are the kind of liars that are telling you, no, Jesus did not come in the flesh. They are... These kind of deceivers are telling you that there was no Emmanuel. No, really. That there was no incarnation. That there was no Bethlehem. And there was no Golgotha. There was no tomb. And there was no ascension. Because he was never here in the first place. So essentially, everything you believe in right now, they will tell you never occurred because he never came in the flesh. Look at, look at 1 John. Chapter 4, verses two, 1 and 2. And, and Jay, my apologies, I did not give that to you. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit... But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Verse 2. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Verse 3. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So these people are trying to tell you that there is no incarnate Jesus. Many deceivers who do not acknowledge Jesus as the coming coming in the flesh have gone out into the world. And such persons, now listen to what I'm about to read to you, is the deceiver and the antichrist. Now, they're deceivers, we've already covered that, but they're the antichrist. And, do you realize that the one word in that whole sentence that's most important is the word and? Believe it or not. And the reason that is, is because that word, uh, which is a word called, uh, the, the Greek is kahi, it's, it's, it has two functions, the word and. Two functions. One is a copulative function. The other is uh, um, communion. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember how to say that word. Cumulative. Cumulative. Thank you. Copulative and cumulative. In other words, a copulative, is it conjunction? Is that what I'm, yes it is, it's a copulative conjunction. The word and here is a conjunction. It's a copulative conjunction, means brings two things together. It means to add them together. Communi- or cumulative, I'm not going to say that word again, I promise you. 
cumulative conjunction means that you have the one, and when you add the other, it increases in its intensity and force. So not only are they liars, but they're in direct conflict and abject warfare with the Christ. That word and means an awful lot. And so here we have, the de- uh, they are deceivers and antichrists. Watch out that you not lose what you have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Anyone who runs ahead, meaning anyone who goes outside the gospel, the true gospel, anyone who runs ahead and does not continue in the teaching of Christ, does not have God. So does that suggest to you that you can start this race well and lose it all before the finish line? Now, what do these deceivers and antichrists have to do with the message already given to the elect lady or the, the chosen lady? <clears throat> well, would you go out and hard pursue the Christ and the original command to love? And what is love but obeying the Father's commands if Jesus hadn't co- didn't come? Would you? Well, of course you wouldn't. It's a waste of your time. If you have any brains at all, you wouldn't pursue an individual that never came. And so in giving the instructions, we're supposed to love one another. We're supposed to walk in it. We're supposed to tread all over in this loving of one another. <clears throat> and how do you do that but obey the commands? Would we do that if we believe the deceiver and the Antichrist? That Jesus never came in the first place. Just say no, because you wouldn't. So verse 7 on is actually a warning. I'm going to let you know that you need to follow these commands. You need to love one another, etc., etc., etc. But know this, there are deceivers out there. And they're going to tell you that none of this is true. How many of you have ever heard someone tell you that that's not true? ever react to your testimony. That's not real. Well, welcome to the deceivers and welcome to the Antichrist. Um, They do not have God. Whoever continues in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Verse 10, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not take them into your house or welcome him. That's a word to the wise believer. That is a word to the wise. If anyone comes, verse 10, to you and does not bring this teaching, if they come to you and they're not preaching this, don't give them house room. Don't you give them house room. And there's a reason why. Not just so that you're not wasting your time and your money and your resources. Anyone who welcomes him in, welcomes in, verse 11, shares in his wicked work. How is that possible? Well, by endorsing their ministry, quote-unquote, you endorse what they're teaching. Yes? Christianity sometimes takes a hard line. Yes? And it's due, it is, it's, it's a wise move to pursue that line in your life and your living. Because if you... I know them. I, I, they may even be family. Yes, but they're, they're telling 
anybody who will listen that Jesus is not real. He never came in the flesh. It's a myth. It's a lie. It's a fable. It's a fairy tale. Don't endorse that. And the Bible says, don't even allow your good to be spoken evil of. Don't even give the very appearance of evil. That's Bible. So, please take that to heart. We're almost done. This much I promise. Verse 11, anyone who welcomes him shares in his wicked work. Now, this is where he stops. Because you can tell based on what he is saying, there's a whole lot that could be said right here. But in verse 12, he says this, I have much to write to you, but I do not want to use paper and ink. I'm just going to go off track here for that long. I wish there were a whole bunch of Christians that would take on verse 12, part A. It's philosophy. The elder, John's philosophy about... I have a whole lot to write to you, but I don't want to use paper and ink. If we were to take that half of Scripture and bring it into the 21st century where we are right now, I would pray that a whole bunch of Christians and their social media accounts would take that into account. I really do. I'm not anti-Facebook anti-Twitter, anti-the-other-dozen-things-that-I-don't-even-know-exist. I'm not, I'm not anti-any-of-that particularly. But can I just be honest with you? And this is coming from a guy who doesn't use any of them. I'm a dinosaur that way. It was so funny... Early on when I got a Facebook account, I got it because I was invited to join a uh, Facebook group, um, my graduating class from Messenger College. So I, I joined. And I had no idea how fast uh, joining something like that could grow. In, in like a week, it was a three-headed monster. You know, and um, I got off it because I didn't have time, much less the interest to entertain and, you know, uh, keep up with people telling me how good their eggs were with a picture attached. It just, just wasn't something that I was interested in. And, and not, not if you guys can, can handle social media, more power to you. Um, I'm just way too Neanderthal. And, but what I have seen, anyway, she, she, Melissa, had to take over the Facebook account. And what's so funny is that Melissa's extremely good at what Melissa does, which is just about anything she decides she wants to touch. Me, I have to be very particular. Because on the things, if this is everything that is available for me to do, okay, this is everything. About that much is what I'm good at. The rest of it is this. <laughs> That's me with everything else. Okay? But she can address the Facebook account 
blisteringly fast and incredibly efficiently where it doesn't take her any time at all to do what little she needs to get done on Facebook. And then she says, bye-bye. But when I hear and when I see, and this is, I guess this is the pastoral part of me. I don't know if it's that or just, just the Christianity. I don't know what it is. When I see born-again Christians, people that I know or people who profess, go and say the most and display the most unchristlike things I have ever seen in my life, I understand why our churches nationally are often in trouble with respect to participation and, and uh, 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 membership and so on and so forth. I understand it. When you have Christians doing and saying the things that they say, arguments that they get into and so on and so forth, truths that they pretend are real. And I wish... From a pastor's perspective, I'm just putting this out there, I wish they would take 12a in Second John and put that into practice. Because if it's not, if, if you, you can't wait and talk to someone in person, it probably shouldn't be said online. It really probably should. And I know that sounds like a big, giant, blanket statement, an old, fuddy-duddy point of you, but it's not. Not with, I mean, any one of you can get online and see what I'm talking about. And hear what we're trying to do in Second John, is promote the idea of loving in your walk through obeying the commands of God. And instead, we go all off creative and making our own scripts and acting like this is okay because everybody else is doing it, sinner and saved, and therefore it must be okay because we're trying to reach the world. And God forbid we can't speak right to their need. I'm just going to be honest with you. Their need is simply this. They don't need you on social media talking about this, that, and the other that does not need to be said at all because it's a waste of your good breath, which is actually, as we learned earlier, his breath. It's, it's a waste of that time. And actually what they need isn't your, your faux um, uh, um, dark or your faux light your pilot light under your burner instead of your inferno that is the Holy Spirit. They don't need that. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. What moron is on? Get on social media and just completely rape the place with your holiness and your righteousness that can't light your way out of a dark room, why do that when they don't need that? They need your light! I don't know, man. I don't know. I know. I know. You can use social media for great things. Go do that instead. And everything else, kind of just, I don't want to write it down because I don't have the time. Hmm. All right. Instead, I hope to visit you. Now, there's an idea. I hope to visit you and talk with you face to face. Well, that's, that's so unmodern. So that our joy may be complete. Yeah. Do, how, how much joy do you get off of social media? Someone be, I'm begging you to tell me. 
Nah, you get it when you're with people. It's so funny. Years, 100 years ago, I was sitting in Whataburger on 7th. I'm sitting there with a friend of mine who's sitting right there. Here's the table. There he is sitting right there. Two girls walk in. One of them just happens to be this guy's really good friend. You know what they do? We have one, two, three, four with an aisle between us. What is that, four feet? These two are texting with each other. I'm like, what? Wow. Mind blown officially. What are we supposed to do with this life? Watch out for the deceivers that are saying, no, this is fake. But most importantly, there's just one thing we really got to do. Just one. How many can handle one? I know you women can handle 2,001. Guys, one. I know that. But can you, well, let me, all right, ladies, how many of you can handle one more? No. <laughs> Kim's like, Mm-mm. one, love, love one another. Not just in word, not just right here. Not when we're in proximity to one another. Walk around your entire life doing that. How do you pull that off? It's by obeying the commands of God. The first thing He always said, love one another. And you do that by obeying and obeying the commands of God. Transform us from what we are into who He is. And we've got to get past all the trappings of modern society, which is what the, what the Bible calls them sins and weights that so easily beset us. That's what, they, that's what the Bible calls it. Stand with me. I think I'm done. I appreciate every last one of you. Thank you for being here this morning. Love you bunches. Really do. Some exciting things are happening. But brothers and sisters, just know that your church is a good one. And we need your prayers as a result. Okay? Because the devil doesn't like good churches. The devil doesn't like good people. The devil doesn't like Christ-like people. He doesn't like you. And he's, he's, if you haven't felt it yet, you felt it indirectly, whether you know it or not. So let's continue in prayer. Let's just pray that the Lord would put a, a steady guard up. And that all the things that the devil's plans would amount to that they would come to naught. And if they do manifest themselves, pray that you're able to stand up in front of them and cast them down. Speak against them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I covet your prayers. Trust me, my household covets your prayers. And we just we just want you to know that we love you. And as Tanner said earlier, I am so appreciative of you guys and you're, you're giving to the ministry of the Lord so that we can just keep this, op, this, this ministry functioning as long as He determines it should be. Amen? Nothing lasts forever but forever. Love you guys more than you can possibly know. And I just couldn't see myself going a third week letting the devil have his way I just couldn't see it I missed you guys too much and besides if this was baseball I'd be out three strikes Father we love you we glorify you we exalt your name because you are God and we are not 
Father, we exalt you. Sindo morota siki marada borundo makashuta na marata ba sandi boroto boko shundo marabarande beba borundo ilanda maraco sokundi mamashiki tarara borundo moroborosi. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Exalt your name in all the earth, for you are worthy. You are high and lifted up. Shunde maraka simbo rondo mena maranda. I'm going to open the altars if you just want to come down and spend a minute in prayer if you have a reason to come down to pray I'm going to just open the altars in case you need or would like to just spend time kneeling or standing in the presence of God as Cody and the worship team play and sing if that's you I'm, I'm just letting you know it's, it, it's completely proper at this time Father we worship you and we exalt you. And Father, this is Thanksgiving week. We're going to celebrate a national holiday this week, Lord. And I just pray that your hand would be upon the body of Christ. That, Lord, you would minister to each and every one. Father, it's probably going to be really different this year for a lot of people. But that's okay because circumstances do not alter who you are. Nor does it alter what you're capable of. And Father, I just pray that you would minister during this day. If anybody's going to be traveling, Father, be with them. Protect them. Protect their vehicle. Protect those on the road. If they're staying home, great. Help their celebration to be a good one. Father, we thank you for who you are and bless your name in all the earth. And do we have any prayer cards on the floor this morning?